Hello, I am Eli Adashi, Professor of Medical Science at Brown University and host of Medscape One-on-One. -on -One. Joining me today is Dr. Mary Wakefield, Administrator of the Health Resources and Services Administration, or HRSA for short. An agency of the Department of Health and Human Services, HRSA is committed to improving access to healthcare services for some of our nation's most vulnerable citizens. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you. It's nice to be here. We recognize that community health centers must be a huge piece of your charge and figure in in a big way into the Affordable Care Act or the Health Care Reform Bill. What is a community health center? for our viewers, or CHC for short. Mm -hmm. So there are, you can find community health centers in every state of the union. We have over 1,100 community health centers in urban and rural areas across the United States. But many of those health centers have additional sites. So right now we have over 8,100 sites. And the, the point is there are a lot of hubs, many spokes attached to a lot of those hubs. So. 8,100 sites. When we add all of those up, uh, more from the point of view of the population that is being served, uh, is there an estimate of, say, the total number of patients that the CHCs might be caring for? About 19.5 million patients are seen in community health centers. And interestingly, that number went up uh, just over the last couple of years largely probably due to economic circumstances, people losing their jobs and then losing their health insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. So this infrastructure across the United States, that safety net infrastructure became even more important uh, recently. If and when the Affordable Care Act, the health care reform bill uh, goes through as uh, originally envisioned, mm -hmm. how many patients, when it is all said and done, are likely to be cared for by the CHCs? So we'll likely see millions more patients than are currently seen. The Affordable Care Act provides a very significant investment in community health centers, an investment that rolls out over the course of about the next four years for operation, to help support operations of health centers, to help with construction, to help with expanded services, Health centers, for example, are a little bit atypical. They provide behavioral health services frequently. They provide oral health care services. Mm. And then, of course, a typical or traditional primary care and uh, illness prevention-related uh, services. So the Affordable Care Act allows many of the health centers to expand their services, to expand their sites, uh, to engage in renovation or construction. All of those investments through the Affordable Care Act over the, the course of the next few years with the expectation that we'll have millions more patients being seen in them. That would make uh, the CHCs responsible for a very substantial yeah. fraction of the total population. Yes. One element that is dominant in the Affordable Care Act and throughout the nation these days is, of course, the emphasis on care coordination. Mm -hmm. and it's easy to see how the CHCs could be a perfect site for such efforts in terms of primary care coordination. Is HRSA focused on that 
part of the equation in some way? Is it issuing grants to encourage that activity? What can you tell us in that context? You're right. Care coordination is really critical to the way community health centers operate. And through our grants, we're trying to encourage even more of that. So, for example, we have an array of different healthcare providers that work even within a community health center. The expectation is that nurse practitioners, doctors, dentists, psychologists, and others are all working together to coordinate care around a patient or a patient and their family. In addition, community health centers have an, an obligation to uh, make referrals for patients when they need them for services. To specialists, for That's example, right, yeah. to specialists mm -hmm. when they need something other than, for example, a primary care intervention. So that's part of the package of uh, and the way a community health center operates. In fact, community health centers really have a lot of the elements already of patient-centered medical homes with uh, the deployment of health information technology, team-based care, and a heavy emphasis on care coordination. It's an expectation, and it's an expectation that we build out even from the, the coordination that currently occurs. So in many ways, the CHCs may be ahead of the curve, and the transition for them might in fact be natural and perhaps easier than for some. I, I would say you're probably right, because in many of those uh, settings, you find an array of services and, array, and an array of service providers that are not always typical in our traditional clinics. Another key element of the Affordable Care Act is the Accountable Care Organizations concept, or ACO for short. Do the CHCs fit into that overall concept? Are they expected to be part of ACOs wherever they may be? Yes, we certainly expect that uh, some of the community health centers will absolutely step up and uh, participate in the Accountable Care Organization uh, organization's provisions of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, they're allowed to by law, and in some cases they can, um, can well choose to form networks even among community health centers. So yes, they have a place at that table. Some of the staffing of the community health centers is done by the National Health Service Corps, which is a little known yeah. part of the health workforce, shall we say. Um, could you perhaps say something for the benefit of our viewers as to what the National Health Service Corps is all about and how is it faring these days? The National Health Service Corps is a really important program that the federal government supports. Uh, it provides scholarships and loan repayment to primary care clinicians, for example, that are willing to practice once they graduate in underserved rural or urban areas. So in our health profession shortage areas across the United States, of which there are many, this is a really important program because it focuses on the deployment or the, the distribution, if you will, of primary care providers, helping to ensure that the communities that need them the most, whether you're talking about downtown Baltimore, uh, downtown uh, Miami, or you're talking about my home state, North Dakota, in rural communities there, it really helps to ensure that they have access to key frontline providers, 
those providers include family medicine physicians, for example. Uh, they include oral hygienists, dentists, uh, physician assistants, and other uh, providers. So in exchange for service in underserved communities, individuals receive can receive loan repayment or scholarships. The loan repayment, just to give you an example, mm -hmm. it runs about $60,000 for uh, two years of service. Uh, and scholarships help to support tuition, um, uh, cost of books and fees for students. And the program is, has grown markedly in the course of the last two years, and it will uh, continue to grow through Affordable Care Act investments. Frankly, it was fairly anemically funded up until just a couple of years ago. Do you know we've been able to more than double the size of the National Health Service Corps? That's impressive. To, it, it is. It's very exciting. Uh, to uh, now over 10,000 uh, clinicians that have been fielded and are being fielded to underserved communities. So that, in many cases, means that a community uh, of individuals that would have had difficulty accessing a pediatrician, for example, now may well have one, courtesy of the National Health Service Corps. So it's a very important investment of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, uh, about $1.5 billion, as a matter of fact. Remarkable. Another novelty that is not widely recognized is the so-called teaching health centers that are finding a home in community health centers. Can you share with our viewers um, uh, some insight as to what these teaching health centers are all about, how they're coming along, um, how is that expected, if you will, to change the health care workforce yet again? The Teaching Health Centers program has been uh, stood up through the Affordable Care Act. It's an extremely important investment from my vantage point because what it does is it really supports the training of primary care physicians, uh, for example, in community-based settings. Oftentimes, those community-based settings are, are, are community health centers. So it really drives the training of our next generation of primary care providers to where most patients are seen anyway, which is hospital training is certainly important, and these residents would also receive that. But it really focuses on encouraging uh, residency training in uh, community-based settings. We fund about 17 uh, uh, teaching health centers mm -hmm. now. And there was a little bit of concern about whether or not, because of a, a pers uh, the lack, uh, a decrease rather, in uh, uh, interest from uh, some graduating medical students in primary care, there's a bit of a concern about whether or not we'd be able to fill the slots. I'm really pleased to say we've been able to fill all the slots. And the applications have exceeded uh, the resources that we have available. So it's a really good start uh, for a very important program that's supported through the Affordable Care Act. In this context, I believe it is true that HRSA, amongst the various HHS agencies, is the one that is most concerned with the healthcare workforce, the size thereof, the makeup thereof, etc. Uh, what do you, in your leadership position, uh, have to do uh, in that regard? What keeps you awake at night? Where do you invest? What should we be looking for in terms of future activities on the part of the agency? 
So part of the equation that I pay most attention to personally is certainly around uh, issues of supply, uh, primarily of primary care providers, though not just, because to your point, we do have a portfolio of health professions workforce training programs that invest in scholarships for students, for example, also invest in curricula, trying to drive new innovative uh, curricula across health professions training programs. We have uh, health workforce programs that invest in the next generation of healthcare providers uh, that will be uh, uh, making services available to our elderly. So we have an array, a por really a broad portfolio of workforce programs based uh, within the Health Resources and Services Administration. The good news is that those programs have, are highly valued by this administration, have uh, received uh, significant support over the last couple of years, uh, focusing on both supply uh, of providers and distribution. Distribution, for example, through the National Health Service Corps uh, program that I mentioned earlier and also focusing on competencies. So one of the areas, uh, just to illustrate that point, that we've been paying a lot of attention to recently is ensuring that uh, we're doing our part to incentivize uh, training programs to train clinicians with competencies that will allow them to practice even more effectively in teams. And doesn't it make sense when you think about accountable care organizations and re-engineering our healthcare delivery system uh, that we really capitalize on the full array of healthcare providers uh, in the delivery of services to individuals and, and to their families. So it's about supply and demand, but it's also about how we are pre preparing that next generation of, of clinicians. Probably one other point worth noting, uh, we take our role very seriously in terms of the contribution of our programs uh, uh, to strengthening the nation's healthcare workforce. But we're not doing it alone. We're working very closely with health professions uh, um, uh, training programs, that is universities and colleges. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, we work a lot with national associations that represent um, uh, medical school faculty, for yes. example. And maybe at least as important, if not more, we work closely with states. Finally, and mostly for the benefit of the pediatricians amongst our viewers, uh, there has been some concern in the last year about the future of graduate medical education support of pediatric residency slots. Mm -hmm. Do we have any clarity on that issue, even though I recognize it's not all in your capable hands? Uh, but where, would, where do we stand on that issue? Uh, what can we tell uh, members of that discipline in terms of the future of our support of pediatric residency positions? Well, first of all, we recognize they are extremely important. That's a critically important provider. So that's point one. Secondly, uh, we do support uh, pediatric residency training through some of the programs that I've already mentioned, for example, the National Health Service Corps. Uh, and, but not just that one, we've also supported uh, pediatric, uh, pediatricians uh, and their residency training uh, through investments of the Affordable Care Act. So HRSA has been responsible for implementing the Children's Hospital Graduate Medical Education Program, and that might be the program that you're asking specifically about. Yes. Uh, there were no funds in the President's uh, budget for fiscal year 2012. 
However, uh, there is activity on Capitol Hill. And as we watch the appropriations process unfold there, uh, there certainly are efforts uh, around uh, CHGME to um, uh, reauthorize uh, that particular program. Right. It's probably fair to say that it's a little bit out of our collective hands. It's on the Hill and it's subject to the vagaries of the budget process. On this note, sincere thanks to Dr. Wakefield and to you, our viewers, for joining Medscape One-on-One. -on -one. Until next time, I am Ellie Adashi. <laughs>